Never underestimate a badass basic bitch. I'm Courtney. I'm done fitting into what everybody else needs me to fit into. And I'm Brianna. You are the only one that can make this change. We're here to bring you the Badass Basic Bitch Podcast. We're going to share the untold stories and dive deep into the shit nobody talks about. Buckle up. We're totally unfiltered. About to get very sassy and inviting you into some of our most intimate conversations. Welcome Welcome to to the the Baddie Bee Club. You start out is the point. And that was the same for me. Like I thought I knew what I wanted to do and I ended up completely changing my mind and my path, but I started. And I think that's the biggest thing. You have to start. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Basic Bitch. It is me, Courtney Shields, and it is Brianna here. We are in the neighborhood, at least our neighborhood, and we have another episode for you guys. Today, we're going to be talking all about careers, how to start. If you're feeling lost, we're going to kind of go through the whole evolution, how to level up. It is going to be a fire episode. So buckle up, ladies and ladies. Let's go. Love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gentlemen, if there are any of you, we don't want to leave you out. You could be a badass basic bitch too. You sure can. So yeah, let's get started. Let's start where it starts, at least for the most people. And that's after you graduate. Yeah, that for me is kind of because I feel like you always have a a pretty good plan up until then, middle school, high school, college, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And then boop, they drop you off the edge of a cliff. Now what? Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking if college is worth it or not is a whole other topic of conversation. I think for the experiences and as you grow as a human, yes. Am I using the things I actually learned in classes? Not so much. So your major was like music, right? Songwriting and... But obviously like they have a lot of regular stuff at Berkeley too, more like business sided of things. But that's a whole other episode. We'll stay on track, you know. Well, I I was just... It's just kind of funny because you think about what you major in, what you spend four years learning about life though like don't you kind of major in life when you go to college you learn about like interpersonal relationships you learn about how to be on time you learn about how to like take care of yourself how to be responsible does the toilet paper go up or down it's the big questions in life you know what it goes over it goes over but guess what else it definitely goes over um the paper towels run out you know like they don't just restock like it happens at your parents house fun fact and toilet paper is expensive When you're paying for that shit in college, it adds up and everything runs out at the same time too. Do you remember that? It's like, wait, why do I have no toothpaste, no deodorant, like nothing? So you get dropped off a cliff essentially, or it's like your parents are driving you um, somewhere and then they open the car door and you get kicked out. And all of a sudden now you're standing in the middle of nowhere. What do you do? Walk around. (laughs) But it's funny, right? You spend four, again, four, four years of whatever. And it's interesting. I, I, I think it would be an interesting study to figure out what did people major in? What are they doing now? I actually do think that what I majored in did help me. The more I oh, think I about it, I think that it really did help me just based on the writing that I do. A ton of writing now. And really there there was a lot there that I, I learned. Storytelling. Absolutely. And also connections in college that you make. The networking yeah. of it, I think is really, really huge. So I do think it's totally worth it, especially for the life experiences. But you're done with college. If you know what you want to do, then you start out on that path. Obviously, you interview, you get a job, hopefully. If you don't know what you want to do, what do you do? 
Well, I thought I knew what I wanted to do, right? We all remember our Dr. Rose. If you didn't listen, go back to my, I think it's episode two of Intro and Me. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, political science, Spanish major. And then famous Dr. Rose was like, you're going to make a terrible lawyer, literally like two months left of school. I disagree. I don't think you would have been happy. <laughs> yeah. Because I think you have like way um, more creative energy than that to offer in a lot of ways, as much as you have like the structure and the business side. I also think you have this like creative side that I think you would be happiest if you mix it all in. But I do think you would be a bomb lawyer still. You might not thank be you. as happy, but I, I think, think you that, would like I it. I think it was more of like that. Like I would like to hate... make that amendment. Oh, thank Rose. you. That's, that's kind. And so I think you're right. You start out is the point. And right. that was the same for me. Like I thought I knew what I wanted to do and I ended up completely changing my mind and my path, but I started. And I think that's the biggest thing. You have to start because when you start, you you start learning what you don't like, what you don't want. I think that's as important, if not more than what you do. But you have to start out on the path. If you're feeling stuck, literally just start. Apply for something because you can always change your mind, but start. And the great thing about that is when it's your first job, I mean, and honestly, first job period, doesn't matter your age. It's really nice to get something that can be flexible in sense of what you can learn. So my first job was an admin for a senior director of manufacturing at a biotech, out of all places. And it was really nice because it allowed me the flexibility to practice and experience a variety of things. And then it helped me hone in on like what my interests were uh, versus if I was only like a QA analyst or something, and all I was doing was QAing, then I really wouldn't have had that opportunity to experience other things. So if you're unsure of where you want to start, perhaps think about what's like a flexible experience job, whether that's like a project coordinator or assistant or an admin or, you know, just something more level entry that allows you that ability of choices. I think also starting allows you to like you said, have the choices and then branch out. You yeah. could move laterally. You can completely change what you're doing. I always like to tell myself if I'm feeling anxious about something or in the past specifically when I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, give yourself permission to change your mind. I think that's huge because so often we get stuck in something. So for me, and I think that you have to always also kind of analyze. So what do you think that you want to do? Is it really what you want to do? Do some journaling, do kind of like a deep dive, unpack that a little bit. Is it really what you think you want to do? And you may not know until you start and that's totally fine. For me, I started to realize I had said I wanted to do music for so long. I felt like it was ingrained. It was what everyone knew I wanted to do. And I almost felt like I was quitting or like letting people down if I changed my mind. And that wasn't the case because I ended up doing something where I was going to be so much more successful because it fit me so much better. And I had the... I guess, like courage to pivot and do something else and just kind of say, hey, I think I want to keep this as a hobby. And that's okay. It's okay to change your mind. And I think giving yourself that permission allows you to be able to start without having the anxiety of like feeling like you're stuck in whatever you choose. I think it's a great point because you're talking about like, you you said you want to do this for so long. I'm sure your family, your friends, wh whoever's around you, like sees that passion in you and encourages you to do that, supports you to stay on that path. I'm curious, Courtney, when did you start to know that it wasn't what you wanted to do? What were the signs? Well, interestingly enough, when I started out, I went to Dayton for like a year and a half before I transferred to Berkeley, which is in, I believe we talked about that in my first episode. If you guys missed it, you can go back to my intro as well. But I started to realize I was in more of like a classical music program there. I was like, no, this is not for me. And then I got to Berkeley and I was like, okay, I love this. 
I guess I started to dissect it after realizing that what it took to be successful in the career wasn't what I wanted as a lifestyle. And that can be said for anything, whether it's like the restaurant business or law or whatever it is. Look at the lifestyle outcome. I don't mean like financially. I mean like, when are you working? Where are you working? What's the travel? What's the like, all of that, like that make up a lifestyle of a job. Does that match the lifestyle that you want? Now, some people would love to be on the road XYZ days out of the year, be in bars at like 2 a.m. on a Wednesday trying to get their career started. That was just never me or for me. So I started to realize that I, in my mind, had what it took to do it. I just didn't want to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is weird because that feels like giving up. But really, it was just, it wasn't like giving up for any reason other than I don't, the life I want isn't in a bar at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday. The life I want isn't doing the same thing in a van and going to the place on Thursday, which is kind of what it takes to start out unless you just have some fluke situation. I wasn't willing to like get down and dirty for that career. Right. Now I'm willing to do that for blogging. I stayed up for influencing. I like it was more blogging back in the day because I wasn't, I didn't have anyone to influence, but I like, I stayed up four nights in a row. I did not sleep. I coded my whole own website. I found like a passion and a fire for really what felt right to me. And then I was willing to do every job and any job to get done exactly what I needed. But it was like all these red flags to me that it, I was making excuses. I would get an opportunity to perform and, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to perform at that place. I don't know if I have enough songs for that set list. And I was finding myself making excuses when really it was because it was the wrong choice for me. That is such a great, like, visual to think about. And I think that's a great thing to encourage other people to think about of like, take a step back and really view what are the pros and cons, but also what is this lifestyle expectation? I've actually received a ton of messages, believe it or not, from teachers who are in their like late 20s that are saying, hey, or even early 20s, like, hey, I thought this is what I wanted to do. This isn't what I want to do, right? Like, so you're in something now that you've probably got a master's for that you've spent five solid years doing how do you make that change? Because I think a lot of, especially teachers and honestly, someone who's gone down to a path of like only biotech, for example, or only manufacturing or only engineering, how do they make a complete change in a different industry? I think it's interesting because it depends on the industry, obviously. And I'm not an expert in this particular thing because I know nothing about things like engineering. But I will say, I think that your employer... The future employer is also key because they have to look at what experience you've had and not exactly like on the resume. So say someone is in computer software sales and they come to me and they're like, hey, I really want to work for Bill in Brooklyn. They have no fashion experience, no retail experience, no social media experience. They have sales experience. They have like, so it's, is that person willing to look through sort of and pick through almost with like a fine tooth comb? the good things and the experiences that you have, can you pull those things out of your resume? Can you focus in on those things? And can you say, I have experience in sales, which can translate to blah, blah, blah. Like make sure that you're catering everything in your resume towards that job. Make sure it's really specific. And so you're showing how the skills you've learned can apply to the new job because there's so much crossover just within life skills. Mm -hmm. So many things I feel like about careers are really like, can you make good connections? Can you keep them? Can you work hard? Can you delegate? Can you... Like there's all these basic life skills that can be applied for any career 
What do you think? I, I think that's such a great, valuable like inside of advice. And I think just the teacher example, because I've had so many messages from teachers saying, what do I do? When you think about a teacher, just like you said, right? Software sales, but a teacher, like think of all the planning you have to do. Think about all of the organization you have to do, the thoughtfulness that you have to do, the mentoring, the connections, the communication. To me, that screams project manager, project coordinator, or operations manager, or assistant operations um, coordinator, or whatever it is. There's so many things that people do in their jobs that it that it really doesn't need to prevent them from going to another industry. And I think thinking about what do I want to do? What jobs do I want to apply for? And how do I take my resume and highlight those things to reflect the jobs that I want to apply for? Um, so I think that's great advice for anyone that's looking to change. And I think having the balls to do it, like yeah. actually just do it. I get that DM all the time. Speaking of the things that you were saying from teachers and stuff, I have people reach out saying, hey, I want to start a blog. I want to start an Instagram account. I want to be able to do something similar to what you're doing. How do I start? Um, do you have any advice for me? Yeah. My advice is start. And I think I've said that in another episode, but just start. Think about the things that you feel like people come to you for. For me, it was always like beauty primarily and then style, life advice, like stuff like that. So think about the things that people come to you for and then find a way to provide people with value and start. There are no shortcuts. I'm having deja vu. I feel like we've talked about this. I just don't remember on which episode. But there are no shortcuts to just doing the work, like roll up your sleeves. And that was a problem with me in music. I wasn't willing to do the work. And I think you have to just be honest with yourself. If you're not willing to do the work, it's just probably not for you. I totally agree. It's about putting in the work. And I remember before I started Zen Content, I had this side hustle that I was doing and I was like shipping out products. And I would stay up really late at night packaging, printing out labels to ship these products to make some extra cash so I could pay for my master's. I actually used um, stamps.com to print out the labels and ship them, but you had to put in the work. The great thing about stamps.com was that I got to skip the trip to the post office and I saved on postage. In fact, if you go to stamps.com right now, click on the mic on the top right corner and type in Batty B you will get a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale with no commitments and contracts. The other interesting thing, like the advice that I give people is that a lot of people are unhappy in their current situation. Maybe they don't want to change industries, but they, they're, not un, they're unhappy in their current job. And I said, every time you're in a meeting where you find yourself unhappy, go apply to an, one new job because it's a simple thing to do it's actionable. And what you're going to end up doing is applying to 100 jobs, 200 jobs. And guess what? You only need one interview to show someone that you're good enough to hire. And then you've changed it. But if you're just sitting here constantly complaining or feeling unhappy or sorry for yourself, then there's no change. And I feel like interviewing is almost, it's like a muscle that you have to work to. If you've done 10 interviews, your 11th one is going to be better. So it's also not wasted time because you're learning how to be a better interviewee. Is that the right, right word? Interviewee. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that's kind of if you don't know what you want to do or you want to pivot, just start. I think you'll be so surprised at how things will evolve and where things will take you. 
from there, but you can't, I couldn't be where I am now if I hadn't have started and I hadn't have done Berkeley and I hadn't have done what I did afterwards. Like I wouldn't have had the same evolution. I wouldn't be the same person. Just start. I promise like you'll end up getting to where you need to be rather than worrying about only the destination. I think the other thing that's so interesting is, okay, so you're in a job now you like. Yeah. How do you level up? I feel like this is a good one for you to handle. How do you level up from kind of starting out? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple things that I think people can do for leveling up, right? It just depends. Are you going to be one of those title stair climbers, right? Where you go from company to company, company, and each time you level up your title by interviewing for a job that's higher than where you're currently at. And I think that's a really fast way to get that title increase and salary increase. And then once you get to a steady place, you you commit, right? That's a, that's one way. Another way is when you find maybe a startup or a mid company where you're you want to grow with them, and as the company grows and you do good work, then you level up within your career. But you have to actually do the work, right? You have to be willing to maybe work extra hours or take on harder projects. That's what it all comes down to. I think too, a huge thing is offer up your help, period. Yeah. What if are you, you good in? And if you want to like move up, hey, say, say you are my boss at work and I like crush all my work during the day, I finish it. Hey, it's what else can I help you with? How else can I make your life easier? How can I be of assistance to you? Like having Asking people around you, how else can I help you is going to make you invaluable, which I think if you want to go higher in your job, like being invaluable, being irreplaceable is key. Well, and also being um, a solution finder, not a problem finder. So if you find a problem or you find an issue, You're right? You're really good at this. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I feel like if I, I will have a problem about something, I'll come to you. What do you think? And it's never just like, oh gosh, like here's, that is a problem. It's kind of, and I come to you because I know you're going to have a good solution. Yeah. Do you think that's a mindset thing? I'm not 100% sure. So I think you're really good at this, finding solutions for problems. And you also don't get stressed out, I feel like. I've noticed that about you. You keep your cool, no matter how kind of like dramatic and crazy the situation is, i.e., the Bone Brooklyn launch. I literally <laughs> called Brianna panicking. I'm like, the site is down. I told him there's going to be a lot of traffic. It crashed. What do we do? And she's like, I'm coming over. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and it's just, you are a good problem solver. So talk to us about, do you think that is a mindset? Is that a skill set that you've learned over time? Is that pooling together a specific amount of resources? What is that? Like, how do we become better yeah. problem solvers? Okay. Well, this is going to be kind of a sad answer because I was born into chaos. And I think I'm very comfortable in it. And I know that's kind of sad. And I'm not saying go fill your life with chaos. But I just, I literally was born into a very chaotic upbringing and had a very chaotic life and then a marriage that, and divorce. And so I think as as depressing as this might be, it normalized itself for me. And so when I'm in, mm, but... It's comforting for you in a weird way. In a very weird psychological way, but it's a skill now. And so I look at it as all of that stuff that I went through, it's a skill and it is a skill that people pay for, pay very well for, and that people want. And I think 
it allows allows me the opportunity in very stressful situations to remain calm because at the end of the day, whatever situation I'm in is not that serious. It's not something that I can't handle. Okay, so perspective. Per- perspective is the nugget for we're sure. garnering here. If you didn't grow up in chaos, like you garnered all these skills through the the fire, forged through the fire essentially. Yeah. But learning to have perspective, perspective. in every situation, I think is key. Learning like, okay, Bone Brooklyn launch, which like, admittedly was a very stressful day, but all good problems to have. Yeah. And then perspective, like how amazing that people want to get on this site, how amazing that people are excited and and supporting me. And that's, I am like so grateful for that. So keeping that perspective instead of like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And I think that's a great thing, right? Like when, when something chaotic is happening, I, in my head, I'm thinking of all of the positives immediately, all of the good things immediately. And then I think of all of the bad things and how what and how to rank them on a risk level and like chaos level, right? Okay, what is the hardest thing? We need to migrate your site, for example. How do I migrate your site? Well, I have been doing project management stuff and operations and scaled operations for a variety of enterprise brands and clients where I've been very fortunate just to have a Rolodex of freelancers in my back pocket. So I at that time, I just thought like, okay, how do I solve for this? I can solve for it by X, Y, and Z. And then I think the other thing is, is like being super actionable. I think not being actionable right away, you have to think about what are the steps? What are the most important steps? How do I do those not steps? Not being too hasty. Yep. Putting and then, together a plan and executing your plan. Yeah. And it's hard because when everyone is freaking out and you're under all this pressure, like, it's just like you have to just find a really calm center. Like go do yoga. I I, I think like that breathing and calmness and you have to just calm your body because... See, I like walks in nature. Yeah. But it's whatever works for you. I have another question for you and I feel sure. like you're a great one to answer on this is I think another part of leveling up is not only continually getting better at your job, but some jobs will offer you a raise or a title level up or I don't know the proper terminology because I've never been very corporate like that. But I think that that's one path. One path is they don't, but it's actually time for you too. So you leave companies or you ask them for that. So I I want to talk to you about that because I feel like so many people, especially women, because we're Mm kind of taught, hey, be grateful for what what you're given. And like, excuse my French, but fuck no. Like if you have worked your booty off to get to a certain spot and you know that you, your value is X, Y, Z, you're not being valued or you want to move up in title or in salary pay. How do people ask for what they want? How do you go in and how do you know when the time is right? And how do you appropriately go in and ask for what you want and a raise, a title change, whatever? Mm -hmm. So I have a very small group that I mentor, a small group of women that I mentor either as a group or one-on-one. And this is something that we talk about constantly. No one is ever going to say, hey, Courtney, you're doing an amazing job. Instead of your 5% raise, I'm gonna give you a 15% raise because you're so amazing. Like, Whoever says that, hold on to that, right? But most likely, it's never going to happen. So it's always about asking for it. The other thing that I think is we get lost in everything that we do when we're working. We just do it. And I always say, every month, I want you to reflect on your past month and write down metric. They're called SMART goals. And you can Google that. But they're all simple, metric-based, 
goals. And every month I tell the women to go back and say, where did you land on those goals? Because when you do your yearly review and you have an entire list of things that you've done for that company, it's going to be extremely hard for them to say no to a raise or a salary increase or a title change. So you're basically bringing them proof of everything that you've done. Document it. And I'm not saying like, I went to a meeting at 7 p.m. I'm talking about like, I saved the company $25,000 this month and here's how I did it. Or here's the project that I launched and here's what came of that project. Because at the end of the year, like typically if people have something called OKRs or KPIs that they run against, you're like, oh my God, well, okay, I'm a good communicator. No, girl, you need to have metric-based stuff on how you impacted the company. I love that. That's a really good, like actual tangible tip. So walk us through that conversation. I kind of want to like finish with this because I want to give people the actual most tangible amount of information we can possible. So you have your metrics, you gather it, you go so-and-so we're talking to, who are we talking to? Let's make up a name. Your manager, Sam. Sam, I would love to set up a meeting with you, a time to go over some things. Like what do we say to Sam? So typically you might have a Um, semi-annual or annual review with your manager. If you don't, that's the first thing you need to schedule. You should be talking with your manager on a performance-based level every quarter, honestly, but if not, every six months. And so if someone is not setting this meeting up for you, you need to set it up. And as you're setting it up, like you come in with, here were my goals for this year and here is how I achieved against those goals and here are all the metrics. And then you're also saying, here are my goals for next quarter, next six months, next year, whatever it is, and have your manager approve those goals. Because if the manager is saying success equals this and you're above successful, then you have more leverage to ask for additional money or an increase in title. And here's other advice that I would love to give, is that if your company is not investing in you, if you are asking for educational courses, going to conferences, um, or even to do simple things as these annual reviews, if your company is not investing in you, it's time to look at a new company because they will never change. It's a relationship. 100%. And so if you're not getting this give-take relationship from the company that you're in. If you don't feel valued. If you don't feel valued. If you are adding value and don't feel valued. Yeah. My question is like on the tail end of that, if you know you go in, you talk to Sam, you ask for a raise, you bring on your metrics, here's what, how do you know how much more to ask for? Yeah. Actually, you could go on, I think it's, I think it's salary.com or Google it. If you're in Austin and you're a project manager, you can literally just Google Austin project manager average salary. And I believe it's salary.com or glassdoor.com. They will tell you what the average going salary rate is for a project manager in your area. And so look at what you're getting and looking at what the average is and look at your performance and the feedback that company is giving you. And if you're at average, then you're at average. But if the company is like, you're a high performer, you're a high achiever, you're amazing. Well then girl, it is time to look at the far right at what the like end of the bell curve is making because that's where you belong and you should be asking to get closer to that. I love that. So much good advice. So many things that hopefully you guys can apply. I think it would actually be cool to do a second part. We didn't talk about this before the episode, but maybe a part two of this follow-up questions that people have. Yeah. Why don't you guys leave any additional questions that you have in the comments and we will do part two of this. It can be for Brianna about how to 
ask for more, how to get a raise, how to change titles, how to change companies, anything like that. It can be for me, anything influencing related, social media related. The other thing that I want to touch on before we go is giving people credit where it's due if you are higher up in your career. Well, I love this about you. And especially because I've seen more behind the scenes, um, like sometimes I'll randomly just go through Courtney's garage and come into her house. <laughs> true story. Like, hey guys, what's up? Like, who's this? It's not even weird. We're like, oh, hey, B. But no, what I've noticed from you is that when people are where they're at with where you're at in your status of being an influencer, like you have to have a team. And I've noticed that you are always giving credit to the team members that are helping you. And I think that says a lot about you. And I just love that about you. Thank you. I think I don't really know any other way to do it. I think for me, it's almost weird. I feel like, and not to knock anyone, everyone does things their own way. But I think sometimes when people always say, I did this, I did that. And you know, they have a team. It's just always like odd for me. But a lot of people don't share they have a team at all. And for me, if Audrey made a graphic, I'm like, we, because like, I probably pulled together the link. She probably put it on the thing. I'm like, we made this graphic. We linked everything up. Like, I think it's important to lift the people up around you and also show that if you're someone who's interested in what I do in any capacity, there are other roles. It's not just doing exactly what I do. There are the Audrey's of the world. There are, you know what I mean? There's so many different jobs, managing social media. It could be PR. It could be like the agencies. It could be, yeah, negotiating. There's so many different things behind the scenes too in this industry. I think it's really cool and it provides women opportunities to do awesome things. And so why not kind of pull that curtain back a little bit? So if you guys have any specific influencer questions, social media, anything like that, um, we'll do a part two of this and just make sure you leave your questions below. Well, and we when we do our part two, we should definitely go into entrepreneur stuff because there's a lot of people yes, that want to start honey. their own businesses. And even later in life, like if you, your career trajectory could look so different than this. Maybe you're 47 and your kids are like up and going and now you want to start your career because you are a stay-at-home mom. You can still start your career. So I think that we can kind of dive into that a little bit more too. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope that... Um, this was helpful and we're excited to watch you guys level up in your careers. Yes, honey, time to level up. You are all baddie bees just by listening to this podcast. We love you guys and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.